Da, 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 da. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. Today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Acarongia Sticks, and they've got a new album called Shadow and Flame, which was released on September 6th via Dwarf Records. Right now, I'm being joined by Grant to share some more information about this release, a couple of tracks, a potentially sinister, sexually sinister music video, and then what what the band has been up to this year, what kind of plans they have. Stellar chat. I'm looking forward to. Grant, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jonathan. Absolute pleasure. Beautiful. Well, speaking of pleasure... Uh, one of the tracks we've got to, got to chat about here that also gets the music video with the classic intro with the what is it the band name and everything else the record company the whole bit off to the lower left with the the uh, the, the typing there old school um, all the way man old school all the way old school all the way which definitely shows at least how old I am <laughs> on me <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually just thinking the other day speaking of which uh, you know how much the record industry has changed the music industry has changed and one of those things is remember when a band could actually say hey we got a music video up on mtv uh, yeah man <laughs> when mtv and it, actually played music videos yeah and now it's just we well, want to make a music video then go do it and if you want it to be somewhere then put it up on youtube and if you want people to see it then pay youtube money it's yeah. just so so incredibly diy now and as I mean, that video is DIY um, as well. There's nothing professional about it whatsoever. I made that music video myself. Um, but I do a, a lot of the music video stuff, uh, not just for Acarontia Sticks, but for everybody on the label because um, it, you know, it's something that I enjoy to do. And it's good to have a, something a little bit visual there. You know what I mean? It, especially at the moment. You know, you mentioned what we've been doing for the past year. We've been doing for the past year what everybody else has been doing for the past year. We've been sitting on our asses watching Netflix and playing on Xbox and cursing the fact that we can't go and do anything else. Um, but, you know, like I said, we like to keep it old school. Um, you know, yeah, there isn't the, the medium out there anymore for, you know, music videos on TV and that kind of stuff. But it's not costing us anything. All it costs is my time and I enjoy putting them together. So especially given the subject matter for uh, Pleasures of the Flesh, we thought, you know, let, let's put something a little bit, uh, what's the right word? I wouldn't quite say, yeah, you know, it's not quite not suitable for work. You know, there's no nudity or anything like that in it, but it's, it's definitely the kind of thing that might give you a boner if you watch it two or three times in a row. There you go. Perfect. Now, you mentioned a few things there that I wanted to touch base on, and I mean, just for some some you know uh, carefree chitter chat. You said you guys were watching Netflix and Xbox. What does Acronia Sticks do on Netflix and Xbox? Um, we we all quite like our RPG games. Um, you know, we like uh, Borderlands. We like Fall uh, Fallout games. Um, you know, anything where you can run around and do whatever you want, be the bad guy. Um, as far as Netflix is concerned, I think all of us have probably complete completed Netflix over the course of the last six or seven months because all of us were on furlough. Um, you know, I've rewatched so many TV series over the course of lockdown. I've rewatched Dexter. I've rewatched Hannibal. Um, I've just started watching Brave New World again. You know, there's a lot of uh, fantasy involved in what we do. You know, Daradelf Records itself. Daradelf is uh, it's Tolkien reference. It's the Mines of Moria uh, from uh, Lord of the Rings, and they're also known as the Daradelf Mines. Um, so yeah, you know, anything that's sci-fi, anything that's fantasy, anything that's got a good bit of violence and nudity in it, we're going to enjoy it. And does that then lend itself to? 
the album that we're chatting about today, Shadow and Flame, do you guys take inspiration from those sorts of uh, sources, the Xbox and the Netflix, anything fantasy, Ooh. sci-fi? Yes and no. Um, the, the writing, when we, um, when we write stuff, it, it's a very, very open process. Uh, Paul and Adam, uh, do the bassist and guitarist, uh, respectively, they tend to write most of the music. Probably about 99% of what you hear musically is done between Paul and Adam. Um, and then when it comes to the the lyrics and the vocals, um, you know, we look at the finished music, look at the you know the drum patterns and the riff patterns and that kind of stuff. And then kind of a, not really a decision is made, but a conversation is had between me, Paul, and Jake as to who's writing structure is going to be best suited to the song, and also who's writing, uh, whose vocal style is going to be best suited to the song. Um, you know, we would consider me the lead vocalist, but I only sing um, lead on three quarters of the tracks on the album. Uh, two of the tracks are sung by Paul, um, and one of the leads is done by Jake as well. Um, the one that Jake wrote, Evolution, that's got a very sci-fi kind of feel to it. It's very, um, I suppose the closest you could get to it would be if you're listening to stuff like Obsolete and um, Demanufacture and, you know, that kind of Fear Factory sort of era. There's a, um, like a post-apocalyptic uh, humanity is enslaved kind of vibe going on uh, with that track. Um, with some of the other ones, I'm just trying to think of subject matters. Uh, Cursed Love um, was directly inspired by a novel that I used to love when I was uh, younger called Vert. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi novel based in Manchester in the UK, um, where cultures evolved to the point where the drugs are like um, like collective experiences. Um, anybody that watches the video or anything like that, you'll see there's all these uh, these feathers floating around in the video. Um, the drugs are feathers, and if everybody takes the same feather, then you experience the trip collectively. Um, it's it, it's a messed up book. It really, really is. It's full of sex and violence and incest and all of the other things that make life really, really entertaining. Um, but, you know, again, then we'd go on to, like you mentioned, Pleasures of the Flesh at the beginning of the interview there that's kind of it's about bdsm it's about horror uh, i wrote that one i was watching hellraiser and i was looking at the female cenobite and thinking what kind of mad kinky stuff must this girl have been into in order to want to open that box um so it kind of that song expanded out from there to not just the the horror elements but also the you know the very very sexual elements that are involved in it and i think what i'm generally getting that is there's no one source that we go to with regards to um what we write um we write about what we're thinking about at the time what we're feeling at the time um so if that is you know something that's very very closely based to the narrative of some pre pre-existing material like cursed love so be it if it's something that's completely original uh like paul especially is very very good at just taking a feeling and expanding out on a very what you would consider a very small feeling like anger or depression or anxiety or something like that and vocalizing the entire feeling into these huge kind of storytelling elements um then you know so be it like i say we write about whatever the hell we feel like at the time to be honest <laughs> well and i guess it takes me to my next question you mentioned a few different topics on on different tracks so is it is there not a theme running through the album? And I guess what I mean by that question, Grant, is when you guys composed Shadow and Flame, what was the intention, if there was one? Well, what we were looking at coming out of the first EP, 
um, which came out last year. It was called Your Possible Pasts. And we noticed a very, very kind of set line, if you will, between the way that we were writing. And that's where, the sh I mean, the Shadow and the Flame thing, that's also a Tolkien reference. It's reference to the Balrog. Um, so you, anybody that's watched Lord of the Rings will remember the quote with Gandalf where you go the beast of shadow and flame. We looked at it and kind of obviously the flame to us was representing a lot of the raw kind of death metal anger sort of elements that we get coming through in a lot of our music. Because um, the album is kind of, it's not split down the middle, so to speak, but there's four or five tracks on the album that are very ferocious blast beats, kind of snarling, growling, vicious vocals. And then the other half of the album is a bit more emotional. Um, you know, Scorned, one of the other tracks that, you know, I was going to talk about a little bit more. That's a very emotional track. Cursed Love is a very, very emotional track. Um, so it is kind of conceptual in the fact that the shadow element of the title represents the emotion that we pour into it and the kind of the 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 not sadder emotions isn't really the, the right way of putting it but the more kind of heartfelt emotions that go into one side of the music and then the flame element is all of the anger and the viciousness and you know what you would expect out of a death metal band songs about cutting people up and what have you um as far as concepts is concerned as well we've brought one track forward from uh, last year's ep and it kind of ties in with the band name and where the initial kind of creative elements of the band came from. Acherontia Sticks is the moth that Buffalo Bill forces down his victim's throat in Silence of the Lambs. And two of the tracks off that first EP were direct Thomas Harris um, references. We've got a track on there called Lecter, which, I mean, that speaks for itself. And then the one that we've carried forward from the EP and we've re-recorded it and restructured it a little bit is called Eyes of Glass. Um, and that's a uh, reference to... The name's gone. The Tooth Fairy, Francis Dollarhide uh, from the novel Red Dragon. Um, anybody that's read it or seen the movie, he's sticking bits of mirror into people's eyes after he's killed them and does all of the nasty stuff that he does to people in that uh, in those scenes. So that Eyes of Glass reference is a reference there. We've moved away from... I mean, we were never... We were never going to be a Thomas Harris tribute band, you know what I mean? It wasn't a case of right. All we're going to write about is the stuff that's written about in the uh, the Hannibal Lecter series of novels. But it was definitely a big inspiration very early on in the songwriting process with a lot of the the twisted imagery that Harris put across. We'd already brought the band name in from that, so we kind of thought, yeah, you know, Hannibal Lecter. We can get some material out of that, of course we can. Um, the other killers involved, Francis Dollarhide for Eyes of Glass. Um, and then there is a little bit of Buffalo Bill reference going on in one of the other tracks off the album. Um, but especially when we completed the lineup, uh, bringing Adam and Jake in at the end of last year, you know, immediately it was a case of the floodgates are open. Let's just write what we want to write and let it flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Now, I guess going back to the music video for Pleasures of Her Flesh. Yeah. You mentioned it was DIY. Take us through that process. What were you looking to do? And are you excited about the end product? And, uh, it's probably the favorite, uh, my favorite video uh, that I've put together as far as a finished product. Um, is concerned. I think it flows very well. I think it's synced up very well. Um, because Pleasures of a Flesh is about 
sex. It's about rough sex, you know, sex that's bordering on violence and murder and what have you. So we wanted it to be provocative, um, but not in the, you know, the hip hop video and pop video kind of thing where it's just blatant flesh and sexualization. We wanted it to be teasing. We wanted it to be, you know, flashing imagery and kind of did I see what I just saw as opposed to just some poor girl or some poor guy even just standing there half naked shaking themselves around you know we don't want to be drawing attention to our music based purely on controversial imagery or anything like that which is why anybody that watches the video you'll see you know the longest cut in it i think is about six or seven seconds before it snaps away to something else we do we just we wanted something that would stimulate people visually that would represent what the song is about but without going into the realms of either over-sexualizing things or indeed the other end of the spectrum because we're talking about elements of BDSM and we're talking about elements of horror movies like um, Hellraiser didn't for one second want to start uh, sort of promoting sexual violence or glorifying sexual violence, even if it is consensual, um, especially in this day and age. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody is offended by something. Um, and it's not like we've got a problem with offending people, but offending people just for the sake of it, that's, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. It, it sure is. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting mindset because I remember younger years, 20, 25 years ago, I was definitely in that position of like, oh, you want to get offended? No, no, no. I will give you something to be offended about. Yeah. And, I mean, we've got videos that will gross people <laughs> out. You know, the Lecter video, especially. It's another one that I put together myself. It was the first music video that I put together um, once we got Acherontia Sticks back together. And I'd, I just went through an old film archive and found loads of footage from like the 20s and the 30s of exploratory footage and uh, ex exploratory um, surgery footage and, you know, all these kind of brutal surgical instruments and that kind of stuff. Um you know, there was a, a, a podcast that have been very, very big supporters of us. Um, I, can I say the name? Yeah, I see why not. Yeah, a, bu a bunch of guys from Ohio called Licking County Metalheads. They were the first people to wear our uh, video uh, like outside of the UK. And they turned around after seeing the video for the first time and went, for the love of God, do not eat spaghetti while you are watching that video. Um, you know, they were comparing us to Cannibal Corpse and Morbid Angel and all that kind of stuff, which obviously is a death metal band. The minute somebody utters your band in the same sentence as somebody like that, even if they're t telling, you know, turning around and saying that we're a shit version of them, which they weren't. Um, but, you know, even if, the, <laughs> even if it was a bad comparison, you'd still be like, oh, my God, you know, they, they said it in the same sense. Um, but, you know, we got all of the, the grossness out of the way with that video. And we, we don't want to be a stereotype when it comes to metal. We don't want to be a stereotype when it comes to death metal. And, oh, here's a load of blood and guts. Or, you know, here's an album cover with a, a girl getting her bits ripped open and all that kind of stuff. It's been done. It's been done to death. Um, so it doesn't need doing anymore. We'll explore new avenues when it comes to the imagery and the album covers and single covers and videos and T-shirts and whatever else it might be. It's difficult to be original in this day and age, but we're trying to stay as original as we can. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is you brought up, you know, a couple of bands that I had in mind when I when I first heard you guys because death metal's become such a unique thing. Uh, nowadays, where you know when it first started coming out, you had Deicide, Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse. And it had a very rough sound, or death even, uh, the band yeah. Death. 
you know, and it, it had a very rough sound for an obvious reason. I mean, who wanted to produce that stuff? <laughs> but <laughs> after it caught on, you know, fast forward, especially coming from from England, you've got a, a significantly more polished version of it with something like Cadaver. Yeah. You know, um, or there's a few other bands that I can think of um, that uh, came from England that are like uh, with Surgical Steel, that band. Uh, Carcass. Um, yeah, Carcass. Love where, Carcass. Massive Carcass fun. <laughs> yeah. Where all of a sudden you've got a death metal band where people are turning their heads and going, how did they get that guitar tone? Like that, that didn't happen with Cannibal Corpse. I don't think. Anyway, uh, where anybody's going, man, how did they get that guitar? The bass player, maybe he was. He had yeah. a pretty sick. He had a pretty sick tone. Indeed, he did. Um, you know, but that kind of brings my next question of so the vibe I get, at least from this particular album on a production level, is that that Cannibal Corpse uh, sound. Are you guys looking to polish it up a little bit more, make it, I guess, maybe more modern sounding, or where are you guys looking to take it into the future? Well, we wanted to try and obviously get, wear our hearts on our sleeves a little bit, and we've we've each got um, we've got common ground in death metal, the four of us. Um, but the sort of major influences of each member come from slightly different directions. Uh, Paul, our bass player, is very very big into his black metal. Um, you know, let's not talk about black metal production sounds. <laughs> you know, normally sounds like it's been uh, recorded in a tin bucket for the best part of it. But then again, you know, uh, modern black metal is starting to go to a more polished sound as well. Um, mm -hmm. Adam, um, our guitarist who does the majority of our production, um, he comes, I wouldn't say power metal is the right way of putting it, um, but these kind of, um, the, the heavier sort of, Post death metal that came out, you know, sort of around the early two thousands, uh, bands like Arch Enemy and a lot of stuff that came out of Scandinavia, where you've got the rawness of death metal, but you do have a very sort of polished, clean, and melodic element coming through it. And I think that's what Adam is trying to bring into the production a lot, is he wants to make it raw enough to be death metal, but clean enough that people aren't just going to be, you know, people will give it a chance if they're not into death metal and they'll actually get to explore you know, a little bit more about what we're doing and see that it's not just and you know, there's, there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Now, one of my, uh, I guess, last questions is uh, we would chatted a bit about coronavirus. We chatted a bit about, you know, completed Netflix. And that's, that's one of the things I love hearing <laughs> from people is I've completed Netflix. Like, oh, okay. Did, did, it'd be nice addicting actually if anybody from netflix is listening in to actually have a completion score where it's like ding you earned a gold star you've watched six hours of netflix or whatever and then people start they're doing that but anyway um what else has been going on for you guys this year have you turned coronavirus into a blessing and adam um, Adam has a solo project because uh, uh, that guy's guitar playing is it's on a whole other level. It really, really is. Um, aside from the fact that he's like six foot nine, so when he picks up a normal guitar, it looks like a ukulele in his hand. You know, anybody that can remember back to when Jim Martin was in Faith No More, and you'd see this absolute monster. Um, you know, to the point where Jim Martin had to have special guitars made that were bigger than a normal guitar because he was so huge um, that he, you know, he couldn't play a standard guitar um adam has uh, released a solo album um that definitely harnessed a lot of his kind of ill feeling and kind of 
just general sort of negative emotion uh, that came out uh, with coronavirus because the vast majority of the album had been completed from a writing perspective before the um, before the, the plague took over the world. Um, it didn't really affect this album too much. The only song that we've actually written during the pandemic, which we added to the album at the last minute, was Cursed Love. Um, but we had all of the demos down, we had all of the song structures down and that kind of thing. So it was just a case of waiting for lockdowns to lift so that we could go and get the final recordings done on this. Um, but, but as far as the rest of the band is concerned, because we all like to do this as well as doing our own thing, um, Paul released a solo album. Adam released a solo album and then obviously once there was the chance for us to be able to get back together a little bit and get the rest of this recorded, we all went storming into the studio and went, right, let's get the finals of this down and get it out because we had to keep putting the release date back and back and back. Um, initially, we'd looked at releasing it in May and then obviously we couldn't get the finals, uh, the final recordings done. So then we put it back to June, you know, hopefully thinking that it was going to get lifted. That didn't happen again. So, you know, everybody's kept themselves busy uh, creatively. You know, we have been writing, we've been writing towards the next album. But as I said, most of what is on Shadow and Flame was already finalized in sort of December, January um, of last year and this year. It's just the frustration involved in actually being able to get the final recordings done that wound us the hell up. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Have you guys started working? I know the there's some solo projects that are happening, but have you guys started working on maybe the next album or next EP or the next set of steps? Indeed, we have. Um, we're taking officially. We're taking a little bit of downtime. Uh, we want the the album to breathe a little bit, as opposed to just you know pummeling through and releasing and releasing and releasing. So up until Christmas, we're still writing. We're still bouncing riffs back and forward and ideas back and forward and getting demos and all that kind of stuff done, but there isn't a focus from all four of us of going, right, we have to write a new album. Um, it's not the way we work anyway. Um, you know, the pressure in music, especially in my experience, because I've been gigging for a long, long time. I'm 38 now, and I've been playing live music since I was 15. Um, I've worked with, you know, some amazing musical projects over the course of my life, but I've worked in some very, very musically stressful situations as well. And the vast majority of that stress came from the pressure of we have to release, we have to do this, we have to do that. So we never ever look at it in a case of, you know, this has to be written by this time, especially at the moment and what's happened over the course of the last 12 months. Um, like I say, ideas are still flowing, writing is still happening, but nobody is, none of us are looking at each other thinking there needs to be pressure on to be writing. We've got maybe three songs uh, for the next album that are in the pipeline at the moment. I've finished lyrics on one. Um, there's another three sets of, no, four sets of songs on the band drive. Uh, that we're kind of toying around with and, you know, working out structures for and that kind of stuff. But we're not pressuring ourselves to release too quickly. Um, we'd much rather take our time and release something that we enjoy um, than, you know, put something out and end up imploding on each other. You know, the, we're, we're doing this because we're friends. We're doing this because we love music. Um, we're not doing it for any ulterior motive and we sure as hell aren't going to do anything that could potentially fracture the relationships in the band um we've all got fractured sanity after the last nine months every single one of us um so we're, we're just taking it chilled and i think that's a really good title for a song fractured sanity 
hold on, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> I'll have forgotten that in 10 minutes if I don't write that down. I'll tell you what, dude. If we do end up like uh, releasing that as a track, then I will make sure you get credit. I'll give you writing credit for it. You have my word, okay? Beautiful. Thank you. Um, as soon as you said that, immediately every ounce of I don't know thrash metal in my soul just went. That is the most amazing title I've ever heard. If it ends up being an album uh, title, man, you'll be loving it. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, Grant, we chatted about. Uh, really, we only chatted about one of the tracks on the on the album. But we chatted. Uh, actually, I take it back. We chatted about quite a few tracks on the album. Yeah. Um, Pleasures of the Flesh was was the main focus because of the music video. We chatted about that music video. And we chatted about coronavirus, what you guys have been up to, what you're going to be up to. Uh, we even did a little bit of, uh, you know, Dwarrow Delph history as well, yeah. which is cool. Uh, so, yeah, unless there's anything else you wanted to throw out there, my, my questions are done. I enjoyed having you on, and I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast, Grant. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I love speaking to people, and obviously, I love being able to kind of, you know, put our not views, but you know, our point of view out there. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I very rarely have anything interesting to say. If I'm left to my own devices, I end up saying loads and loads of really like repulsive and silly things. So I, I think it's probably best that I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> All right. 